I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Wood Talk, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words, yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 170 for February 17th, 2014. On today's show, Lewis's panels aren't flat after glue-up. Willie's making... Willie... Sorry. Willie's making wooden screws from dowels. Uh, Jacob has some workbench questions. Achille has... I wonder if that's... I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it. It looks like Achille, like Achilles' heel. That's how I've been pronouncing it. Okay. Achilles. That doesn't make it right. That's how I've been pronouncing it. <laughs> it's usually not right if uh, the two of us came up with it. All right. Achille has a question about glue laminations. Jack wants to know if the big box store wood is really all that bad. And Josh is trying to plane a large apple slab. But before we get to that good stuff, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Festool. Some tools stand apart the most when they're working all together. Explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results at FestoolUSA.com. All my tools work together. Doesn't matter what brand they are, they just work together. Yeah, mine, mine often do. I've noticed they play very well together, and I think that's the only thing that's important. <laughs> that's true. All uh, right, just a quick reminder uh, for folks who are listening in the podcast, if you ever want to catch us live, you can do that. Just go to alphageekradio.com, and we record pretty regularly on Monday at, uh, well, it's 4 p.m. my time, so what, 6 p.m. Eastern for you guys? Ish. Six, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so six, about 6 p.m. Eastern, you can catch us. Go to the uh, alphageekradio.com or the woodwhisperer.com slash live, and you'll see links for that. You could listen on your phone. You could listen on the desktop, whatever is your preference. There's a little chat room there that you could participate in as well. And uh, we'd like to thank the guys at alphageekradio.com. Actually, maybe it's the guy at alphageekradio.com <laughs> for hooking us up with the that. The Alpha Geek. The Alpha Geek himself, yes. Uh, all right, so let's jump into what's on the bench. I'll go first. Uh, finishing up that blacker house chair, and it's a giant pain in my because there's just so many details, guys. It's like it never ends, and I couldn't imagine doing an entire set of these chairs. <laughs> it's good. It's Come good. I mean, like, on. like here's the little detail stuff, right? You, I got home and I'm like, eh, day or two the most, you know, to finish this thing up shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I've been yeah, doing this thing like all week long. It's ridiculous. So yeah, so they're not, and I haven't even gotten really to the ebony plugs. So the thing is, the assembly of the unit takes place with the insertion of the ebony splines in the arms and in the crest rail. So that's all just part of the deal. And then you've got to uh, flush those, well, not flush them up. You just got to bring them down to size. So they're just proud of the surface. And then you have to shape everything. And it's, um, you know, that stuff, not too bad. Where it really starts to slow down is in like the, the back rail, or I'm sorry, the back slats. So the space between them, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the finished piece, but it gets filled with these little square nubs, like these little, little things. They go between the slats to create this nice little pattern. Well, here's the problem. The slats themselves are at angles, different angles, because they're kind of curving back. They're also curving out to the side, sort of splaying out to the side a little bit, um, kind of heading toward the, the corners of the crest rail. And then the they're all offset, so they're not all in a line. So as you work toward the middle, they kind of move uh, uh, forward 
a little bit. So you've got to you got to put angles on the sides of these little teeny tiny pieces of wood and then glue them in between the slats. It's just one of those things where I'm like, there isn't an easier way to do this. Like <laughs> each one of them's different. Right? Doesn't yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's, and I'm like, doesn't William have like a jig for this? <laughs> <laughs> isn't there an app for this? Why, yeah, why am I doing this manually? <laughs> what the heck? So it's uh it's one of those things that just took a lot of time. Uh, to do so now i'm at the point where all the little brackets are glued on and uh, pretty much all of the woodworking stuff is done primarily with the exception of the ebony plugs so i've got a ton of ebony plugs to do that should only take maybe one more day and then i'm on to the finishing so very close to the finish line on this one but oh my gosh a lot more work i mean if you really were trying to i know last time we talked about would you expect to complete this during a a class the only way it could be done is to add another, probably another four days onto it. Three, three to four days. I, I still am convinced that when they came up with this design, they really did not like the craftsmen and no. are like, we are going to mess with these people. No. And that's the thing you have to really get, you have to think about is that when this was originally made, uh, what tools were accessible at the time and that I've got no right to complain with the things I have access to. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's a challenge and I'm sure it was a, a challenge for the person who did it back then, but they were probably much better at this stuff than I am. So it might not have been as much of a challenge, but that is not, you know, your, your run of the mill piece of furniture. Well, here's the thing. I was just, while you were saying all this, I was thinking about, you know, a guy like Daryl Peart who, mm-hmm you know, makes these for a living. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just logged on to his website. He charges seventy eight fifty for one of these chairs. As he should. I mean, that I'm sounds like... I'm just wondering if that's enough. <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot. And it, well, there, there's that whole realistic thing about like, okay, we're woodworkers. We know what goes into this stuff. The number of hours certainly justifies that price tag. But then there's also the generic, like everyone else, real world. And there are very few people on this planet who will pay $7,000 for that chair. Um, but how many does he have to do to to make it worth it? Probably not that many. And he's charging a fair amount of money for, for the amount of work. And here's a guy who's got like all the stuff that I used at Williams. He's got his system dialed in just like William does. And he can, you know, knock that thing out in, in a much faster amount, you know, a much less time than I can. Um, but it's all that time investment he put in in creating the system to build that chair um, that he has to then every time he makes one, he's got to to consider that work and time investment in that one piece. It's not just him constructing that one piece. So it is amazing because it seems like this is almost like the Super Bowl of chairs. You know, every yeah. other chair should cost less than this one. <laughs> That's right. I, and it's not the case. You know, I mean, granted, Maloof, the name, the brand is what, you know, costs that kind of money. But man, <laughs> you know, I got to say, after doing this one. I, the Maloof, and, and I've seen the Maloof go together. I've watched a few videos on it. I don't actually think the Maloof chair is going to be, what, especially compared to this one, it's really not going to be all that much of a challenge. The The real challenge with that one is in developing your visual sense to be able to sculpt it and know when you've sculpted enough and when yeah. you need to sculpt a little bit more. <laughs> when to stop. That's when to my stop. problem. Yeah. See, actually, I stop, um, I actually stop too early most times. I, I step away from it for like a day or two just to come back and go, you know what? Darn, I That's think I need to chunky. remove more. Yeah, I tend to leave things. I'm a little too cautious with my material removal. Uh, yeah, well, but anyway. I usually stop just after the irreparable harm that I've caused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, that was one stroke too many. All right, Pretty so I'll much. do two more. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would just like to say that after uh, listening to what you're saying about this and, and, and the construction of these chairs, uh, while this may be the apex of what I could possibly create in my on my bucket list, I have decided I knew I need a new apex. <laughs> I've got, I've got <laughs> to set the bar somewhere else. <laughs> it, it no, is slightly I, lower apex. Yes, yeah, I'm thinking mm, just maybe uh, a stool. That will <laughs> yes, yes, that will be my new apex. Maybe one with some butt cheeks, uh, slightly you know put into it. Yeah. I don't know something like maybe that. Maybe you should build the blacker chair out of pallet wood, Mark, Matt. We could do something like Mark could try it first and then I'll do it next. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> no, I, the one thing I was thinking, though, when you were talking about, uh, you know, everybody that's, that's built it, uh, Dale, Daryl Pert and everything. I'm sure that it's one of those things that when you have multiples to build, it's a lot easier. Maybe those a lot of those little things that you're doing to have multiple ones to do yeah. so you can kind of batch them together. Sure. This sure. is where batching for sure probably really helps out. But, yeah, a one off. It's like one of those. Hmm. No, I'm sorry. I only sell these in batches of five. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I've got the additional issue going from, you know, Southern California to Arizona. I've got parts that are getting a little bit smaller. 
you know, no, after, after they're here for a little uh, for a little while. And of course, you know, my first time doing it, I'm I'm building it in someone else's shop. I don't have nearly the consistency that I might have if I were building this piece in my shop. So that every time I build, let's say the 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 back of the chair, and I'm I'm building the crest rail, a lot of those things, the the variance gets reduced the more often I do it, and the better my system is. So I think right. for someone like Daryl, for instance, if he's making one of those little brackets that go between. Um, the vertical um, back slats, he might be able to make two that are exactly the same and they would fit on both sides. Mine's not like dead on perfect. So I have slight differences and that slight difference is just enough for me to have to do it separately and finesse the fit. So it gets in right between those rails. Right. By the time you get it figured out, you're done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never to do it again. Are those just glued in place? There's no actual joinery Mm-mm. between them. No, they're there? just glued in. So, yeah. you, so you've got to have a good thing. friction fit. Uh, it doesn't take much. And I wasted three or four of them at various points when I just was like, all right, let me just try a little bit more. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, had the, I had the Shannon problem. I went one too many. <laughs> so, it, nice. you know, the good thing, though, is because some of them are different, I would start with the ones that I knew were the widest. And then if I screw that one up, it just automatically by default becomes one of the smaller ones. And I try to get that one perfect. And if that doesn't work out, then I go to the one that's a little bit smaller uh, until I, until I got them all to fit and it worked out. Okay. All I can say is, is I sure hope it's comfortable. That doesn't matter. (laughs) When you're done, that (laughs) better be the most comfortable chair. Comfort? Since when is that an issue? Um, He doesn't need comfort. He's got the contemplation bench. Don't worry about it. He's all set. Yeah, well, you know what this this chair is going to do? It's going to come back into this podcast room where a little two feet of terror can't get to it. Because, I mean, any of my other pieces of furniture that are out in the house are totally sacrificial. I don't expect them to be here forever. Um, this chair, I don't think I'm going to let my son anywhere near it until he's a little <laughs> bit older. So it'll it'll stay with me in the podcasting room, or I don't know, maybe I'll leave it in the shop and put a cover over it or something. This uh, is the no one where your family... He doesn't sit in it. He just wipes it with a diaper. <laughs> yeah. This is the one where your family actually finds out who you love the most because it'll be the person <laughs> you leave it to. Damn, I knew he liked me better. Yep, exactly. So anyway, good stuff. Glad to see this one come to a close, but uh, still, still a little bit away. So uh, Matt, how about you? What's going on? Well, the big thing, of course, is the platform bed is all done. Now, the next thing I need to do, and as I have mentioned in the video and to anybody that's asked me, I am not doing any of the finish work on camera because I want to keep my iTunes rating at clean. <laughs> so that won't be happening. But this weekend, I took an opportunity to – we're going to be dying the bed. Um, Aiden originally wanted to, like, paint it brown. And I'm like, we're not painting this. It's the the – the green is just too beautiful. We've got the most amazing tiger maple for this. So I said, let's do this. Let's let's dye it so we can get that green to really pop. I just want that part to show up. So I was doing sample boards, which is almost something I never, ever do. I give it good lip and say I do it. Do as I, I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, or or sometimes and I, I, I was joking around about this too. Sometimes I'll do sample boards, but I never take the board that I'm putting the sample on to the same consistency of what the, the, the bed or the part of the project I'm working on. So for example, it's not sanded all the way to 220 or 180 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, give me that rough board. Yeah, that looks pretty good. And then you finish it and you're like, that doesn't look the same as that sample board. Yeah, it's very easy to sand a, you know, a one foot by six inch wide board. <laughs> you're right, Shannon. It, it is. Perfect. <laughs> After discovering that this weekend, I uh, I was pulling out scraps out of the uh, the little box that I have, and I said, "All right, this is exactly this is a cutoff from this one part, so this is a showpiece. This works out good." And uh, I went ahead and I did that, and I I got the pieces to come out really nice. So now I, I've got my formula down for how much dye I need to actually create when I go to do the the actual mix, and I've got the I know what. Um, final grit if I go to sand it what that is going to and I am all set for this so I'm really really excited and Aiden took one look at the die and is like I really like that I wish you had recommended this on previous projects I'm like I'm gonna beat the living daylights out of you with this headboard kid <laughs> nice <laughs> awesome. so but I also one more thing I have to mention is anybody that's seen the video and my son makes his appearance at the end he is really not nearly as snotty as he comes across in fact I actually had to beg him to be that much of a jerk in the video he is really a nice kid I have actually gotten a couple of comments that are like if that was my boy I would have beaten him <laughs> oh, so I'm man. like oh wow Aiden you're really good at acting I'm not really a snot nose Brad I just play one on TV Literally. <laughs> awesome. So that was it. Now, Shannon, what about you? Now, 
you've got a whole bunch of things going on. Uh, what you you have a chip clip? You went ahead and made a chip <laughs> like the type for like my potato chips. It was one of those one of those weeks where again it was still pretty dang cold in the shop, but I had to get back in there and I was you know of course doing some stuff on my lathe and tweaking a few things here and there, and uh, <laughs> reached for a bag of chips. And there was a little like plastic clip on top of the the, uh, the bag and it snapped off. And I was like, you know, this is something that woodworking can help with. <laughs> a rockler kid idea. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it was like I could pull the little like little paper clip part off and like, oh, I could use a, a chisel to make that little groove. And I just have to shape this and, and ta-da, there is a wooden chip clip. And it was like, you know, this may be, may be one of the most useful things I've ever made. <laughs> Nice. Very possible, but uh, yeah, it was, it was just one of those things where should should I turn the camera on? No, this is just <laughs> stupid. I was just thinking that um, we, maybe we could do a combo project, Shannon. You do the chip clip, and I will do the can opener, and we will have perfect <laughs> weekend duo for any woodworker out See, there. I love that stuff. I know it's like it can be, you know, it's not really high level woodworking, but it's really cool. Like something that would otherwise be wasted, you know, so a little handle breaks, a knife, for instance, a perfectly good knife. Uh, the handle breaks. If I think that's part of the cool thing about what we do is that we can just take, an, you know, an hour, a half hour to go in and make something that looks just as good, if not better than the original thing. And you made it functional again. I mean, it's a, a goofy chip clip, but it's going to be one heck of a chip clip. Heck it's yeah, be, it's made out of know? Bolivian rosewood. <laughs> Come on, exactly. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking that I needed to make one of those. I'm, and I'm being totally serious. So, Shannon, I'm going to have to take a look at your chip clip and uh, <laughs> we're going to have to talk about dimensions. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take some photos. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, I, it was done in, in like 10 minutes. And uh, I was like, you know, people would find this interesting. <laughs> Do we need to bring in Aaron Marshall to get us uh, 14 different SketchUp versions of it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's one SketchUp I think I can handle. Now you guys can come up with a line of like hair clips and things like that. Now, Ooh, now you're into this whole spring-loaded thing. Cool. All right. Well, let's jump into what's new. Got a couple of links to share with you, and uh, I'll just grab them real quick. The first one was sent to us by Jay Raup, who says, This is humbling. I may never say I can't. Again, these stools, uh, these stools are not handmade. It's a uh, little video about this guy. Uh, where was it? Africa? Um, Seems oh like we're, we have a lot of videos of guys in Africa uh, doing woodworking. Um, this one in particular, sorry, I don't want to play it on the show, <laughs> is a gentleman who uh, doesn't look like he has functional use of his hands. So he is making projects and basically these stools that he makes, uh, he makes them with his feet. And it's kind of weird because if someone is using their feet for that type of work and they've been doing it since they were a kid, their feet don't really look much like feet anymore. And there's a lot of times watching this, I thought it was his hands, you know, if you're, because you're not, you're looking at a close up, and it's like, wow. I mean, he has really just evolved and transformed his feet into these very, very functional gripping things. I mean, to the point where he gets into his shed with his keys using his feet. Yes, it's yeah. it's it's really intense. So I know exactly what uh, the, the the guy who sent this into us means. It's like you, we've got we got no right to complain <laughs> when yeah when this and, guy and this is... was a very very popular video this week. I think yeah. everybody was sending it to us. It was all over Facebook. You really had to have been away from your computer not to see this. Yep. And I the one that really freaked me out was when he grabbed the grinder. Holy oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, the, the hand tools are one thing, but when he pulls out the power tools, it's like hello. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got well, oh doesn't goodness. he have like one end? He's got like a, a rope tied around it to hold on to it and the other he's got a grip on it i was like whoa that's amazing yeah that just and the funny thing is watching him uh hammer a nail into the stool i'm thinking i can barely like do uh a sit-up i don't have the stomach muscles to be able to lift my leg in any <laughs> means whatsoever similar <laughs> swing to what a hammer to. and swing a hammer accurately to hit a nail it's like i can barely do that with my hands I know that was the one thing I was most jealous about was how awesome his abdominals must be. It's yeah. really pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next thing we have here is uh, sent by us uh, or sent to us by Howard, and it's kind of interesting. I actually thought it was a joke at first, and, and sometimes I don't read these things entirely, so I could wind up <laughs> be like making fun of something that's actually meant as a joke. But it is. Uh, well, let me read the title: "Buy this fifty-dollar block of wood to remind you to stop buying so much stuff." And it's just, it looks like it's painted black, just a big block of wood 
that sits on a mantle somewhere or on a, a table or a desk. Uh, and the idea is it's just to remind you that, you know, in, in a world where we tend to think we need more and we tend to be very, re- you know, materialistic, um, this block of wood is just supposed to be a reminder of simplicity, I guess. Um, it says the, the nothing, it's called the nothing. It's meant to be an expensive and somewhat ironic reminder of your obsession with overconsumption. <laughs> now, the thing I think that's a little bit interesting is the ultimate irony certainly here is that you don't need a block of wood, right? You know, so, but, but by buying this, aren't you, can't you just read this story and walk away from it going, you know what? You're right. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> buy right. stupid crap, but no, you're going to send this guy $50 for his block of wood. It's just kind of weird to even, I mean, I, I realize only certain people are going to do this, but uh, folks like us aren't certainly aren't going to do this, but well, I'm going to make my I, own block of wood. Right. I got I'm putting in my PayPal account information right now. Can you <laughs> go ahead and go on without me? Let me know when it's my turn. Yeah. So if you want a big junk, like a big uh, chunk of wood painted black uh, that you didn't make yourself, uh, here's a place <laughs> where you can get one. Uh, the other thing is you could always make a really nice chip clip and put that on your mantle. It's true. Yeah. Of course, you know, I look at this nothing, this big black block of wood, and all I can think of is Arthur C. Clarke and wondering when the aliens are going to come out of it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting. But uh, it's, it's, this reminds me of the, well, see, no, see an iPad, an iPad stand, those things at least have some functionality, right? <laughs> the block right. of wood with the angled data on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And then they charge, you know, $75 for them. But it's it's close to that. At least that does something. This just sits there and reminds you that you spent money on something dumb. It reminds me a lot of a pet rock. So this is apparently the recent version of it is pet block. That dude made millions, though. So, you know. <laughs> That's that's the thing. That's the thing. All right. So um, we're a little bit short on kickback. We do have a poll this week and Tom Ivino from tomsworkbench.com. He's our guy for the polls. He asked the question, how do you feel about sharpening? Mm, I find it's very important, but it is not something that I normally enjoy. I usually draw blood when I feel my sharpening. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's see. We've got 110 people. Oh, what, what total is 256. I'd posted this late today. Uh, but we have 110 votes. That's almost 43% that say it's okay, but a necessary evil. Uh, then we have at 21% say, uh, I don't like it, but I know it has to be done. 19% say, I love it. It's something I enjoy. And I never thought about it. I never thought about how I feel about it, said uh, 8%. <laughs> I think that would be more. <laughs> it's like, I don't really think about this. I just, I got to do it. Um, only nine people, only 4% said, I hate it. And oh. uh, yeah, that's that's not too bad. No. Ultimately, it's, you know, it is a necessary evil in the shop, but it's one that for me, I don't particularly enjoy it. But at the same time, I know what it does for the work and I know it makes my woodworking that much more pleasurable. So it's something that I don't, I don't despise it either. You know, I'd rather be doing other things, but when I have a good sharp edge as a result of it, it feels really good to do it. Now, do the 1% say sharpen? I just buy new blades. Yes, (laughs) they probably do. Uh, they have like a Kleenex box of chisels. <laughs> Pick a disposable chisels. Ooh. And it's it's a big black block of wood, basically that well, has a hole in the top. That's to right. Chisels out of. Now, didn't they have that uh, disposable tip chisel not too long ago? Was was yeah. announced? Now, was it a chisel? It was a chisel. Yeah. Now oh. screw that. Just make the whole thing disposable. That's right. <laughs> I don't want to be unscrewing any tips and putting new tips yeah. on. Who needs that extra I reach for a new chisel? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Man, could you imagine if they did that with lathe tools? That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Sure <laughs> I still like the idea of just some sort of wall-mounted box that you just like paper <laughs> towels that you just pull out of it. You know? Yeah. Grab it. Chunk. <laughs> There's like, a turning gouge. There you go. Grab a chisel. We can call it. It'll be a new brand. Uh, all right, let's move into our email then. And we don't have any of the voicemails. Uh, first one here is from Lewis, Luis, the Dovetail Kid. He says, I'm working on a project where I have to glue up uh, two panels. Each panel is composed of four three-inch wide boards, three-quarters of an inch thick, 30 inches long. I've jointed all the edges as well as I could, and my uh, square confirms that the edge is at 90 degrees to the face. When I lay the boards on my bench and then press them together with my hands, all the edges are flush and the panel's flat. But when I apply glue and clamp it down, I could see with a straight edge that the panel is not dead flat. Is this normal? You just have to plane the panel flat again? 
Uh, is this also his? Yeah, I can see that a very small fraction of an angle on a three-quarter edge will be greatly amplified on a three-inch wide face. Uh, blah 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 blah. So he wants to know what's our what's our take on this. Um, uh, for something like this, a lot of the bowing and you know sort of uh, distorting that you can see can just be from the clamps themselves. And I know with um, I mean different types of clamps work a little bit differently, but I know with my parallel clamps the um, uh, jet ones that I use, they do have a tendency to force like unless you're pushing the panel down as you're doing it, and then also uh, offsetting your every other clamp is reversed, right? So let's say you know you have them sitting upwards. Well, every other one you need to face downward um, because if it is inducing that sort of pressure uh, favoring one face or the other, you need the other clamps to counteract that a little bit. So that's why if you ever see someone do panel glue ups and their clamps are alternating facing one way and the other. That's one of the reasons why they do that, because it helps to equalize that pressure. So first of all, I would say, if you can, try to evaluate your clamping situation. You might be able to reduce uh, the amount of bowing and weird angles that you're seeing there by simply uh, varying your pressure. Uh, you may also want to use something to, like what I like to do a lot of times, is actually use a smaller clamp and clamp the panel to the bar of the clamp uh, that's below it. So I kind of use the clamp itself as a call of sorts and clamp the panel down to it. And that kind of helps everything stay into position. I um, like using those uh, wood screws, hand screws for that. Oh yeah. That'd be right? smart. Jorgensen's. Huh? Mm-hmm. Just don't glue it to the panel. Right. <laughs> so I hear. Could be bad news. Um, one quick way to check this too, Lewis, is if you, if you put the clamps on, tighten it down, um, get get down on your knees and sight underneath the thing and see if you could see gaps between the, the bar of your clamp and the underside of the panel. You could usually spot it uh, with light shining through. You could see that there's a gap there. So you could kind of address it that way. And then ultimately, I always have a little bit of irregularity to a panel after it's glued up. So for me personally, I'm always doing a little bit of work. It's not heavy-duty flattening. Uh, but it might be just a couple passes with a smoothing plane or a cabinet scraper or something just to kind of flatten everything out. So a little bit is really to be expected. Um, it, it's not always going to be absolutely perfect, but if it's excessive, I would look, I mean, especially if you notice his edge is 90 degrees, I would take a look at that clamping pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. You're so right, Mark. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Why don't you take Willie's question? No. Okay, yes, I will. So <laughs> Willie says, I'm looking to build a Moxon vice and would like to make threaded dowels for the screws. Since it'll be made from wood, what diameter of dowel would you recommend using? I'm thinking the maximum distance between the two screws will be 24 inches, if that. So I was just doing some quick looking on here because I made my Moxon vice with the uh, bench crafted kit so I didn't have to worry about uh, wooden dowels. But checking out one of the big gurus out there, Chris Schwartz, of course, has made several of these. And I believe he's coming in at one and a quarter to one and a half inch uh, dollar material. And mainly that's because those uh, pre-manufactured screw thread cutters, the beels, I believe one and a half is like a typical size, like the maximum size that those uh, jigs will actually accept. And apparently they seem to work pretty nicely. Now you can also get pre-manufactured ones. In fact, help me out here, Shannon. I can't remember the name of the one. There's, there is a manufacturer out there that makes some pretty nice ones. In fact, they're pretty big at like two and a half inches, I think. Is it Lake Erie? The dowels, you mean? Yeah, like the the, the pre-manufactured screws. Is it the Lake Erie, whatever? Lake Erie? Yeah, Lake Um, Erie. That's one of them. They may be one of the only left. The guy I bought mine from is is defunct. I don't know whether he just stopped making them or got tired of making wood screws or what. Yeah. Big Wood Vice was the, the the name of the company. Okay, he's gone yeah, now. Yeah, but it seems to be like about one and a half inch diameter dowel. It seems to be like a, a one and a quarter, one and a half should you know more or less take care of your needs for it. Because let's get serious. With a Moxon vice, uh, this isn't something that I'm cranking on really hard and putting a ton of pressure on. This is usually something that I'm kind of setting up on the bench to actually hold things in place so that I've got it at my height. It's not unlike, say, those parallel clamps or something that uh, Lewis was uh, struggling with. I don't put a lot of pressure onto these, so I don't expect them to, you know, I don't know, hold super, super tight or have to apply tons of pressure. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that size diameter should work out pretty good. So again, one and a quarter, maybe one and a half inch dowels should work I out have, pretty um, decent. 
I have a, a, a local friend as compared to like virtual friends like you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, you um, have a real friend? Sure you do. Yeah. Yeah, you can one. use the word real. That's okay. Yeah. All right. Did your mom pay for that one? He, he made <laughs> <laughs> with Bitcoin. He made this uh, Mox and Vice a while ago. Um, Chris Keene, he's actually the owner of Sterling Toolworks. Makes little dovetail gauges that people seem to be talking about lately. Um, he made his hat of one and a half inch dowels. And his big tip was uh, remember what season you're making it in. When you uh-huh. go and tap the hole, remember that wood expands. So if you're in the expandy months, remember to tap appropriately. And if you're in the shrinky months, remember to tap appropriately. Because I think he had to um, redo it when summer rolled around and it wouldn't move anymore. <laughs> I think I just found the title of this show, Tap Dat Dowel. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Sh- I like it. Shrinky month. <laughs> well, since since we're already talking about big wooden screws, just gonna leave that there for a minute. And uh, I actually had to mic the, I had to mute the mic a couple of times during your last comment. So yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Jacob had a question. Since he knows how much we live for workbench questions, that's actually what he said. He said, "Here it is." After a couple of years of woodworking, I'm building my first draft of my bench and I'm thinking of using wooden screws for the vise. My concern is, will that affect the clamping? If tools are sharp, which they should be, should it give me enough clamping pressure? Uh, number two, the way my shop is, I will have to plane into the vise. Uh, should that be a consideration? And finally, if I go with all wood vices, should there be any kind of finish on them for maintenance? So um, one thing I'm curious is, what is it about his shop that makes him want to plane into the vices. I can't you just put the vice on the other end? I don't I don't understand why you're being forced into that situation. However, you know, that is that is kind of a you don't want to plane into the vice because it's hard on the screw itself and hard on the threads to be putting that kind of pressure into it. And it is something you probably have to worry about a little bit more with a wooden um wooden screw and wooden threads. So I, I might think about it a little bit more or think about how you can position your bench in such a way that you're not in that situation where you have to plane into that, where you're playing against a fixed dog um, and just move the screw to the other side. That is, That would give me a little bit of pause. However, as an owner of a leg vise with a wooden screw, um, they hold like ridiculously well. Um, you will not have any problems with it not holding your workpiece. You can easily crush a walnut with these things. I tried. It was fun. And um, it, nine times out of ten, the pitch of a wooden screw can be, uh, what's the word, coarser, I guess, lower than uh, with a uh, metal screw. So they work really, really fast. And I think because of the angle of that that lower pitch, the actual angle of the incline plane, it ends up approaching that of, of a locking taper. So it gets to be really, really, really strong. Um, are going on, I guess, about five years since I built my leg vise on my Rubo. And I've yet to find anything that it doesn't hold on to. Like when I use my resaw and I you know, put a slab in there and I've got this enormous 48-inch, three points per inch saw, it doesn't budge um, in that vise. So um, you're going to be hard-pressed to find something that it won't hold on to. As far as maintenance, um, I just wiped on uh, a thinned out coat of polyurethane, uh, just one coat, more to keep it so that I could clean like dust and crap off of it. Um, I wasn't really worried about, you know, sealing it or protecting it or anything like that. So that's all I got to say about that. Cool. All right. Got one here from Achille. He says, I'm also doing some, it makes me believe there was another part of this that I didn't read, (laughs) but it says, I'm also doing some laminate bending on a smaller scale, uh, and as I glue my plies and place them into a clamp, they creep. What's a good way of keeping things in line when I'm gluing? Uh, also, should I be using two-part wood glue like Unibond 800 or a simple one-part PVA glue like Type On 3? Would that be enough? I'm looking for a hard, durable bond. I've heard that two-part glue is the way to go, but unsure about skin safety because of questionable chemicals like formaldehyde. Uh, great questions. And for if you don't know what he's talking about, it sounds like he's just laying up something for like a bent lamination, uh, multiple thin sheets of wood glued together. And the reason he's having an issue is because as soon as you do that, uh, what's going to happen? Those pieces, they just want to slide right by one another. So typically what, what you do is in this situation, you will usually have your pieces be oversized so that even if they do slip by one another, it's not the end of the world because you're going to be cutting a lot of that material away. 
So that's one thing to always do. He probably is already doing it, but the more it moves, the more work you have to do after the the glue dries anyway. So a few things you can do. If you know that you're going to be cutting a certain part away and you can put it, um, well, let me say what I'm put it. I need to talk about what you're putting where. Um, You can drive a brad nail or like a 23 gauge pin into sort of the extremities of the, the ply so that you can actually bind those pieces together, but you have to put it in a spot that you know you're going to be able to cut around and remove so that you don't wind up hitting that with your tooling later on. Um, So if you're bending it, I mean, just think about bending a simple curve. A lot of times the only place you can really commit to tying things down is in the center. Uh, You won't be able to do anything at the outside edges until you start to actually apply the clamping pressure and get everything into place. So that might be a feasible thing to do. Just make sure that the piece is wide enough to accommodate a little tack nail, brad nail, or something at the end, something that won't split the wood. Uh, And then that way you can kind of hold it in place. Um, Minimally, less invasive, you just want to hold everything down with a clamp. So if you can get a clamp to go across the laminate so it's on the uh, edges and you can kind of hold things together that way, I find that that's pretty effective. And lastly, blue tape. It's not uh, it's not the most effective way to do it because the tape kind of does shift around and it's you know not really putting a lot of pressure there. But if you put the bundle of, of, of thin pieces of material, if you put the bundle and wrap it in some blue tape, it will kind of hold it together. It'll at least stack- use the entire roll of blue tape. Too. <laughs> yes, you don't want to see any wood when you're finished. It should be completely blue. Uh, that will also be kind of effective, uh, but not 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 nearly as effective as clamps and uh, a brad nail here or there. Uh, so about the adhesive. Now, this is interesting because when I, I just got back from the Williaming class, right? And when we did the bent lamination for uh, for the back of the chair, I was asking William, we just had a discussion about what glue he prefers for this. So what, what glue do you think he uses? What do you guys think? Tight bond. Uh, Close. Tight bond uh, three. Elmer, Elmer's, Elmer's glue. <laughs> yeah, Matt. He uses Elmer's uh, Elmer's he, white glue. He strikes glue. me as an Elmer's kind of he glue does. person. He really does. You know, um, Chuck Bender's the same way. White well, Elmer's school glue. Yeah, he yeah. Steal, steal it from his kids like on their first day of school. Like, mm, you take the paper, I'm taking the glue. <laughs> yeah. I think he buys it by the uh, the gallon jug, though, with the, with his classes. And, and he encourages everyone to use the stuff in the class if it's not an um, exterior sort of project. But anyway, so it gives you a lot of working time, the, this white glue. Um, it's obviously, you know, as far as toxicity is concerned, it's one of the better glues you could use in the shop. And it's a lot more fun to use than a two-part uh, formaldehyde-filled, you know, urea resin glue, which is no fun. So the question is, does it give you the kind of bond you really want? Because I think the problem is with these glues, a lot of times people say that there's glue creep after it dries. You wind up uh, seeing the laminations kind of well, delaminate um, a little bit. And he has never had a problem with it, and he swears by it. And especially if it's not like a severe bend and it's not something that's going outside, he says it's perfectly fine. Uh, The cool thing was when it was all said and done, the joints were perfect. Like if you look at this piece from the side, you really cannot tell um, that it was a lamination, which is I think part of the thing that that becomes a problem for people with bent lam is that you wind up seeing all those little glue joints. And if you use a really dark glue, that's actually making that problem even worse. So when you use uh, glues like any of those urea resin glues tend to be a darker brown color when they dry. So I can actually make that problem a little bit worse. So, so look into it and there's no one right answer there, but they're really, especially if it's not a real severe bend, I don't know that there's any problem with using something like uh, one of the type on glues or just uh, Elmer's white glue. Um, but if it is something that you are a little bit concerned about and you want a more rigid bond, then of course those two part uh, solutions, um, Unibond 800, Urac 185, uh, DAP Weldwood, all these things would, would be appropriate for that if you needed to use it. The it's only thing like- I would say is think about after after it's dry mm-hmm. and you pull it out of the form, you have to true that surface. Right. And that urea stuff will just rip your blades up. Yeah. Um, and your hand, by the way. Um, oh, it's yeah. Like it's really, sharp. really sharp and nasty. And you've got to now clean all that squeeze out off. And you're essentially, in some respect, atomizing some of that crap as you sand it and throwing that into the air. Well, that's really, I mean, you could scrape it, 
if you wanted to, but ultimately sanding is a lot of times people will just take a belt sander, something nice and aggressive and bring it down right. to the, the edge so and put on your respirator. For and yeah, the yeah. God. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing fun about kicking that stuff up in the air. So I'm, I'm kind of going to go as I do more bent lamination in the future, I'm going to keep moving toward the type on side of things because I really just want to see how much I could do with it. And I might get bit in the butt at some point for taking it too far, using it on the wrong project, but um, we'll see. We'll see how I'm it gonna goes. I'm going to try that edible paste. Because, you know, that's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, there it is. You can have a little lunch, a little snack while you're working. Well, when, back when the kids and I were making the uh, Roar Rocket skateboards, they actually include a, a bottle of the Type On 3, I think it is, okay. uh, in there. And we did have a delamination issue with it, but that's only because it was out in the sandbox for two winters followed by <laughs> a really harsh spring. <laughs> so I have a feeling somehow the mm. moisture creeped in there a little Might bit. Might have had but something to do with it. only delaminating at the edges. <laughs> Nothing says I love the project my dad made for me than leave it in the sandbox oh, for two years. Wait, wait for this. He traded it for a Pokemon card. <laughs> not not a, a whole bo- a bunch of them. One. And so it wait, wasn't wait, wait. even an important one. Didn't you say that, that he was just acting in that video? This was when he was younger, apparently. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's only gotten snottier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I was trying to cover up for him, but it's not working, obviously. His history is proving me wrong. Hey, I just want to point out one thing, Mark. You you did miss a little bit with uh, Achilles' thing, and this is for everybody listening. If you send a question that has multiple parts, I will break them up and put them into the categories, and you will only get one question answered. There you go. One per person, please. One per person Take per show. That's the question, Nazi. He is. I like it. That's how that's how stuff gets done around here. That's right. So if you're waiting for the other half of your question, keep waiting. <laughs> it may never come. <laughs> it may never come. All that's right, Matt. Right. How about you take Jack's question? Okay, so Jack, thankfully, Jack, you only send in one question that I'm aware of. There have been numerous Jacks, but uh, Jack says, I've heard you refer to lumber as rough sawn. I've heard grades given to lumber and the term kiln, dry, kiln dried. I've also heard that wood from the big box stores is crud. I'm wondering what of all what all of this means. I'm just wondering if somehow if I somehow shortchange myself by buying wood from say the home centers or is the wood I get from a true lumberyard better? Is it different? Now, Shannon, I noticed you already put a link in here <laughs> yeah, to a pre- through the not so subtle plug to my own website. <laughs> And it was funny because I was I was actually going to throw the, I was going to read this and then throw it to you and then have you read multiple answers. But actually, I did come up with one for this. Jack, you know, to be quite honest with you, you can still get a decent project out of home center lumber. But the big thing that I think people really need to understand when it comes to home center lumber is it really comes down to you kind of get what you pay for. You you shouldn't have really super high expectations for it. Sure. It's decent for uh, a number of projects, but you are very limited on the species that you're going to get there. Uh, to some degree, you're limited on on the quality of the materials. Um, my, my local home center, we usually they carry, of course, the, the basics, the poplar, the maple. Uh, that's it. That's all they have. Poplar and maple it tends to be uh, the only hardwoods that they have. The uh, nicer versions of pine, they're pretty decent. But the problem is since everything is pre-milled and it's taken down to that three-quarter inch size, if there is any bowing, twisting, cupping, any issues with the wood, you don't have a lot of material there to mill away to take it to something nice and flat. So again, you have to maybe, whatever design you're working on, you're going to have to figure out how can you work with these boards, maybe put some sort of support system in there that will help to flatten out a panel made from these boards that maybe aren't completely flat. So you can see there's there's limitations on what you're doing, where if you were to purchase your uh, lumber from a uh, reliable uh, source, unlike Shannon's, um, you you would have these larger boards that you could potentially mill and help to take care of some of these issues. And of course, quite obviously, you would also have various sizes and quite a few more species to work with. So that... When it comes down to it, that's the big thing that I've always seen is the difference between home center lumber and purchasing it from a uh, a larger lumber yard where they tend to have a lot more choices for you. I think what it comes down to is just how well, how thoroughly, and how fast it was dried. Yeah. You know, we're, we're dealing with the same material here. Um, you know, the if you were to grade the actual hardwood at a place like Home Depot – it's all a good grade. It's usually all FAS as far as in terms of defects. The issue is, is it wasn't dried to 6 to 8% before it was milled. Right. 
So it's not a matter of if there's movement, it's when there's movement. And you generally will have it already cupped and bowed. They're paying a very little amount because they're buying in such large quantities. But at the same time, they're also demanding that it be, you know, as, as a, an entity like Lowe's and Home Depot is so large, they can kind of dictate to the lumber mills what they want to pay because you want that account, right? It's huge. But you, you really, you, you can't cut the price too much. You know, there are kind of base amounts of how much lumber costs to saw it into the boards and to dry it. So if you're forced to cut those costs, you cut on the process, meaning you dry it faster or you don't dry it as much. So when it leaves the lumber yard, it looks great. But, you know, depending on where it goes, it's going to, well, it's not, not even a matter of where it goes. It leaves the lumberyard at like 18% moisture. It's going to dry. It's going to warp. It's going to cup. And a lot of times when it's dried so fast, you run into other issues, tension issues like case hardening and such. Mm. So it's hard to go into a big box store and say, well, they have all FAS grade, but you'll notice you never see grades at Home Depot or Lowe's. First of all, because most people have no idea what that means, but they're not going to they're buying whatever they get um and you know whatever happens to it on the shelf that's your problem so cool you're up cool all right uh josh has um a very envious situation actually he has a slab of applewood it's about four feet long ranges seven to ten inches wide and is around three inches at the thickest part hello Uh, i'm gonna go out on a limb and say i haven't seen a piece of apple that large ever Mm. ever um, that's awesome. So <laughs> you, you can either make it into the bench you're planning to make or sell it for probably a lot. Um, anyway, it was the topmost slab taken off the tree. So the backside was the outside of the tree. So the shape is kind of half round and tapers to around three quarters of an inch at the ends. I assume I'll need to remove the bark, but I've designed a hall table around the shape and want to leave as much of the live bottom as possible. However, I'm not sure how to go about flattening a slab that rocks back and forth along the length and width. I've not been able to get enough clamping pressure to hold it steady on my bench for hand planing, and it's wider than my six-inch joiner if I tried flipping it top down. Do we have any ideas? Well, first and foremost, do not clamp it uh, to prevent it from rocking because all you're doing is warping it out of shape. So you will plane it flat and then unclamp it, and it's not flat anymore. So that that. That's another one of those learned at the hard way situations. Um, You could use a series of wedges to hold it flat on the bench. But if we're truly talking about a round, like outside of a tree surface, I would recommend creating a cradle for it. Um, uh, Whether it's just a couple of blocks with V notches cut into them that that actually sits and rests on. I actually did a, a podcast on this a while ago called joiners blocks. They're just these little blocks with a, 45 degree V notch cut in them or go so far as to actually uh, create like a semi-circular cutout in a couple of boards. Uh, If it were something like my bench, uh, you can put actual dowels in the bottom of those boards so that those cradles actually slot into the dog holes on your bench and it will hold that. Uh, If you want to get really, really fancy, you can scribe the shape of that onto a board and cut out an exact fitting cradle two or three boards that you can line up along the underside of that that will support that log um, without wiggling and then you can plane it to your heart's content. Just make sure that those cradle boards, they don't go above the surface of the board or your plane will run into them. Hmm. Sounds hmm. fun. Sounds like a lot of work. It does, <laughs> but if you've got a three inch thick piece of apple, um, you want to you treat it right. You want to treat your apple well. That's right. Definitely. I yeah. love a nice shiny apple. I just lost my place. <laughs> that's why I'm like awkwardly <laughs> quiet here. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for the emails, huh? Yeah, I think yeah, we're on Achilles' uh, fourth email that he <sighs> yes. sent in. We should, should answer that. Um, okay, well, let's get into our iTunes reviews. And if you go to the iTunes store and look us up there, just type in Wood Talk in the search, find the ratings and reviews tab. And uh, you can even ask Matt why his son is, has such a bad attitude. Uh, well, if you lived with me, don't you think you would have one too if your bed took 18 months to build? That's true. <laughs> yeah, he's been sleeping Poor on kid. the floor. Seriously, what's up with that? Uh, all right, we have to thank Ms., uh, some of these iTunes names. I'm wondering, do people, like what's the, like, I try to figure out, it's almost like reading a license plate and figuring out what that person is trying to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. Masu99erg. 
That's, I, I think they just be. do that to mess with you. I That's think, purely what it is. It's now a game. It could be. It could be. All right. Anyway, they say, um, great show with a lot of helpful tips. Best podcast. I've been watching a lot of your videos or listening to the podcast. It's put me into a different perspective. Safety is number one. Again, thanks, guys. Don't think I would be working with Wood if it wasn't for you guys. That's great. Wow, that's cool. How cool is that, right? All right. Uh, Also, want to remind you that today's show is sponsored by Festool at FestoolUSA.com. And don't forget to go to TWWStore.com and you can get a Wood Talk t-shirt. They're pretty awesome. They look awesome on you, too. They do. They make you look younger, slimmer, stronger, faster. All those things. (laughs) Yes. A lot of things that end with er. Yes, a lot of ers. And uh, also go to woodtalkshow.com. Look on the left-hand side. You'll see some uh, donation links if you are interested in helping us out directly. You can do that with a recurring donation or a one-time donation, just like Chet K and Matt G did. And we appreciate the help, guys. We appreciate the help from everybody, especially those who do the recurring donation and help us out on a monthly basis. That is truly appreciated. And Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right, folks. Do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion? Please remember, only one question per email. Otherwise, you can send multiples. We will break them up and you won't necessarily ever connect the dots. (laughs) Uh, You have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype, preferably one question. Our username is Online. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're ever looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. So awesome. So many ways to get in touch with us. And you know what? There were no voicemails this week and I'm very upset with all of you. I am too. Very, Go to a corner and think about what you've done. Yeah, you know I'm what? St- I'm so upset that I'm not even going to talk to you. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I want to know, what what was the last episode we put out? Because the fact that there's no kickback tells me that... (laughs) That wasn't very good. (laughs) (laughs) Either nobody watched it, listened to it, or... Because the the chances of us just having gotten it right are, like, next to none. Uh, Let's see. Downdraft tables, powder coating, hand planes, drilling end grain, veneer versus solid wood for a dining table. You know, just all the normal crap we talk about. (laughs) 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 Nothing nothing different than any other day. Or or is it because I accidentally (laughs) erased all of them? Oh, that could be it, too. You never know. Uh, Go check the trash bin. (laughs) Maybe too many people with multiple kickbacks. That could be it. One email. Yes, that happens a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We always appreciate it. And I guess we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.